All right. Hey, welcome back. I uh, always a a good day. It was a good weekend for me. I was actually back uh, golfing. I did uh, fifty eight holes Friday through Sunday. So that was uh, that was pretty interesting. But even better, I was able to put out an email. Um, which, if you haven't subscribed, make sure you do subscribe. Unfollow the herd. Basically, where I write up my strategies on investing and. Uh, you know, what to passively invest in, or maybe you should just do it yourself. Um, more or less not following the common path in investing or, you know, whether you're doing your 401k or life insurance, maybe you're doing it all. Uh, maybe you're over diversified. Um, but I want to see you all become wealthy through this recession. Um, and for not in recession, then whatever. But however you think we're in right now, things are tightening. Um, you know, the Fed is fighting the flight of making sure that we are at 2% inflation, uh, and they will not stop increasing rates until doing so. So actually, uh, Wednesday, September 13th, we have CPI data coming out. Uh, we know the Federal Reserve, um, most of the ratios are not seeing a hike. They're seeing about a 33% hike that we actually do in November, um, we're, I think the last inflation, we were at three, one, um, and actually inflation could be going up. Why? Because fuel went up, different things have went up service-based things. We need, uh, basically at this point, I think for interest rates to drop, we need to see unemployment climb. Um, and, and I think we all know that we also know that there's an election in 24. I know I've kept saying that, but I think that you could probably be prepared when they do cut rates, when we get there. It's going to go fast. And, you know, cap rates are like holding right now. Uh, locally, we're seeing six and a half. Um, you know, southern markets are seeing five and a half. Uh, I know some see seen six, but, you know, that's where things are holding right now. People have a lot of cash on the sidelines. That's what makes this recession a lot different. People are just looking for yield for their cash. So where they're they're parking it in these high yield savings accounts. And uh, unfortunately, when when things change or timelines change, um, they're going to change fast. The rates are going to drop quickly. And when that happens, the bond market predicts it's going to drop fast as well. And then people are going to move to stocks or move to, uh, you know, I think my my dad even sent me on something on silver and gold. I'm not a big silver and gold buff, but, you know, they're going to move to where they think yield will be the safest place. Um, because when you're not getting 5% on your CD here in 9 to 12 months, um, you're going to look for yield. And uh, just so you know, you are not getting wealthy at 5%. You are maybe maintaining, maybe. I think inflation is still likely over that 5%. Um, but you guys all know that I, I do real estate. I you know try to provide a lot of content around real estate to try to educate you guys, um, try to tell you what I do, um, and then document my journey as a you know contractor, developer, investor, um, I don't really over diversify. Um, I, I'm really heavy into real estate. Um, I really love real estate. Uh, I, don't, I think it's sometimes, you know, people use cash flow and appreciation. Uh, it'll just say cash flow to have passive income. It's kind of a, I don't know, more of a myth, but it's a tax benefit of how much money you can actually keep. So, um, anyway, today we're going to go through, uh, should you be buying your own rentals or passively invest in someone else's deal? Um, and I, I'm just going to tackle, I did this in my last email. If you weren't able to catch it, if you were, um, you got to read some of this stuff and you got to be the first one to see it. 
Um, had a lot of feedback on this email, so I wanted to make sure that I was able to reiterate it. Um, and uh, it's a big question. The, the biggest question I always have, it's like, should I buy a rental property or, or should I invest passively as an LP, so a limited partner? Um, and that's where you, you trust in the operator. You know, I'm a general partner in deals. Um, and you just want, it's a pure numbers game for you. You invest passively. You believe in the deal. You trust the operator. Uh, you've done your due diligence. Um, and, uh, you know, in some cases you need to be an accredited investor. Uh, I have a 506 C deal. If you are a accredited investor, you can, uh, get into a deal. We actually have a 3.85% loan on, um, and you get that asset along with, you know, 22 townhomes, uh, very boring investment, but a very, you know, I think the most boring investments actually do the, the, the best as a return. So you always want to keep that in mind. So yeah, and this email actually had storage, um, um, which I'm obviously going very heavy in, uh, in the future here. And I wanted to share a little bit with that about that at the end of here. So stick around. Um, so anyway, I've done both. I've invested as an LP. I've invested as a uh, general partner. You know, I've invested by myself. I invested with partnerships. I've done every way you could probably do a real estate transaction. Uh, not every way. There's many different ways, and there probably will always be more ways. But in in this deal, it's like okay, so owning your own rental property. This is everyone's dream, right? Like you're at home. You're you're thinking about, okay, I need to go buy some duplexes and some fourplexes and single homes. And I need to, you know, I, I just got to own my own stuff. I just need to know because it's mine and I'm the only one in it. I don't trust anybody. Okay. So, you know, here's the pros. You're your own boss. You think of it like being, you know, you're like, you're running the ship. You call this, you know, you call the shots. Um, you may live in the property. You may just be operating the property, learning as you go, probably making some mistakes, hopefully not. But you know what? At the end of the day, they, you, you learn from all those and, uh, you know, you're, you're going to learn. It's going to force you to learn because when your money's on the line and you're not cash flowing, you're going <laughs> to, it's hard to look at anybody else. It's no one else's fault, but yours. So hopefully you're well-educated if you're doing that. Um, and number two, you could have steady cash flow. Remember, you know, the friend that brags about all the rent money he's getting every month. Um, you know, it's true. Yeah, the, some of these properties are fairly simple. Uh, I can't speak in the terms of short-term rentals like VRBOs and and that kind of thing. I've never done that. Um, of course, I'm in North Dakota, so we don't have uh, a ton of those. Um, and we don't rely on them as cash flow. But I know many people that do. Um, you know, and, and the vacancies are higher. They're not making as much money. People aren't as COVID hungover as they were. So, um, but you know what? Your, your friend that bought some cash flowing property, hey, got to start somewhere. Maybe you got good at it and uh, he's, he is onto something. Uh, number three, potential, you know, the potential for price jump. So, you know, fast forward a few years and you might just sell the property uh, for a lot more. Maybe you refinance all your cash out of it. You know, hey, you've done what you needed to do. You've executed your plan well. Um, and you did, you know, you, you you took a calculated risk. You knew exactly what you were going to do and you hit it hard. Um, and number four, you're going to get some tax breaks. Um, and, and, you know, you could talk to your own CPA on this, but many investors just for the alone on how much money you keep, um, it's not only about how much money you make, but it's how much money you keep. A lot of people pay a lot in taxes. A lot. 
Well, you know why there's a lot of real estate investors in California? It's because they uh, they all need to keep more money because they can get taxed at 55%. Um, now I'm in a little more investment-friendly state. Um, I don't need to buy real estate just for tax reasons, but I do do it for tax reasons, for sure. I want to keep as much money in my pocket, especially as a real estate professional, um, and yeah, it, basically you will learn that instead of passive income, it's just literally keeping more money in your pocket is the biggest reason to invest. Um, building wealth, you know, people are going to be paying off. You're going to have tenants paying off mortgages, paying off, uh, paying all the bills, paying off good debt. I would call it bad debt would be, you know, your, your loan on your boat for 13 years. Uh, maybe you got a big cabin that you got a 30 year mortgage on, you don't rent out. Uh, you know, I I call some of those bad debts. Bad debt is probably your house debt. Like, yeah, you should have a house debt free. Um, but, uh, there's almost no chance of making revenue unless you're renting it. Right. So that's, that's one of these. So that would be your five pros. Um, you know, you're the boss, you got steady cash flow, hopefully potential for price jumps, appreciation and tax breaks, and then building wealth. So cons to doing things, everything yourself, you know, it's not going to be all sunshine. <laughs> it's the only way to put it. Um, you know, being a landlord, there's a lot. I've actually, uh, I held a property management company. Me and my wife ran uh, and uh, we had some employees in there. But it it is stressful. It consumed all our time. We did that. We actually ended that this spring. Um, we did it for about a year and a half. Um, man, tenants can be time consuming, right? And um, pipes leak, you know, roofs need fixing. The renters sometimes don't work out, even though you did all your due diligence, you did the right things. Um, it can be very stressful. And, you know, if you're losing money in a rental property, you may, you may hate real estate. So, um, don't think it's all going to just fill up. It's, it's painful and it's, and it's tough right now. It, there's a lot of people stress out there in, in real estate because they're not operating them right um, and they're just trying to learn as they go. They want to do everything themselves, right? And you don't want to do that. Um, that was the why I did not go very far in life up to about 2017. I started asking others for help, and I started uh, mentoring, and I started online courses, and I reading books, educating myself, and I figured out everyone uh, <laughs> is looking for help, and uh, it's not. It doesn't pay to just go alone and do everything yourself. Um, number two, another con, tying up your cash. So, you know, you can buy and sell stocks. You can, you know, offload a house uh, in, in the long run, but your your cash will be tied up. You know, it's an illiquid investment. You can't just dump it. You can fire sell it. You're going to lose your equity probably. Um, and you don't want to be done. So you want to make sure to have a strategic plan. Make sure you can tie up your cash because just think the Warren Buffett's. What does he do? He buys and he holds. It's a simple strategy. He literally just doesn't sell. And if you just don't sell, the thing will go up in value. If it's operated right, it should be cash flowing and your pain will be gone. But realize when you're putting cash in, you're not really like, hopefully you don't need it back in a year. You're not trying to, that's a flip. Uh, a long, like a Burr investor is going to do like a 10 year hold, hopefully refi all his money out um, at some point along the way and just hold the thing forever. He's not going to have a big sellout until he accumulates maybe a, a group of them. Um, but another con, you know, you got a big buy-in. Uh, there is a, you know, big down payments. 
Um, especially as an entry level landlord, you're you're gonna have you have a lot of cash into this right away. It's it's not cheap. Um, there's a way to do creative finance, which I usually teach uh, in all mine, uh, especially in all my emails. I've done creative finance, uh, LinkedIn. I've done plenty of posts on creative finance. Um, and I think it's the only way deals are getting done. You know, right now in 2023, that's it's challenging to get deals done, right? The interest rates are super high and everyone is um, doom and gloom right now. They're like, I don't know where to go. I'm just going to keep my money sitting in savings. You know, that's not going to beat the current rate inflation. Inflation affects rental assets, hard assets like homes, apartments, um, especially rental assets, I should say. Um, and I do, you know, luxury storage, um, and, and people need items like these. So, um, number three, so you're gonna have a big down payment. Number four, market mood swings. So just like the stock market has up and down, so does property valuations. Just realize that in the real estate game, it lags, right? Like if stocks go down today and interest rates climb by two more percent, that's going to lag on real estate probably for over a year. Well, now you're feeling the effects. We are we are at near our target inflation number, right? Um, about 5.5%. And even if they go up to 5.75, 6 even, um, I think we're pretty close to the top. I don't think you're going to see evaluations. You know, for every 1% drop, you're going to see about a 10% increase in real estate. But it's going to be a lag deal, right? Um, so the people buying right now and... If interest rates are 1% lower, say they're 75 today and they're 65 in the future, your real estate will actually climb by 10%. Uh, that's just kind of a rule of thumb. It's not perfect, but it's it's a general rule of thumb of how you can see affordability. Um, and, uh, you know, if rates drop to five, well, guess what? Probably real estate's going to be going up. And uh, that's what happens in inflationary times like right now. Everyone, like in the operator standpoint, everyone is trying to make their operations as efficient as possible right now because not as many people are buying. All we're trying to do is make our investments that we have currently operate at the highest efficiency as possible because we have lower interest debt on it, fixed debt. And fixed debt gets better as you hold it, right? Because just like you bought your home, say, 20 years ago and you had a 30-year loan, and you bought it for a hundred thousand. Well, think about today. Is it easier to pay back a hundred thousand? And you know, you got to understand amortization at the banks. You pay more interest on the front end of the loan than the back end. So a lot more money is going towards the principal on the end of the loans. It may not make sense for you to refi. It may make sense just to pay off that note. Um, and because you're going to be paying a lot more towards principal at the end of the loan. Um, and there's a lot of benefits by holding a loan longer to, you know, to maturity. Um, so number five, you know, a con for doing everything yourself is empty homes, empty pockets, no tenants, no rent. So that's where I said, and everyone's working on operations. I know for me as a GP, all I'm doing is trying to focus on operations. How do I refine? How do I fill up faster? How do I, how do I cut, you know, keep expenses at bay and how do I increase income if it's possible? That's all we look for. And uh, it's not easy. It's stressful when you have vacancy. Um, and, you know, when you have vacancy, you're going to be, you're going to get stressed out. And especially when you, and you were getting $1,500 a month rent and now you only get a thousand. It's like, oh my gosh, now I need to start paying into this property. There's lots of people paying into properties right now to keep them. That's just the way it is, right? Like inflation is taking its toll on everybody. Uh, it's making everything unaffordable, harder to pay rents. 
Um, it's whack in the middle class because they just they're they're not they're into bad debts. They own cars and apartments and liabilities, and they don't have enough money left over to invest in real estate uh, where they can hedge inflation a little quicker. Instead, they got their five ten thousand dollars sitting in a savings account, getting five percent, which is not beating. You're not beating it at all, right? So, um, so I want to move over. I mean, obviously, with owning your own property, you're going to have your own headaches, and um, you're going to have to deal with them. Hopefully, if you're going to take this route, and you're like an accredited investor, you could have millions in the bank. Like it doesn't matter. Um, hopefully, you're very well educated, and don't just put a million dollars somewhere. Um, and you know, you could be an accredited investor. Maybe you got a thousand bucks. Hey, it, it's probably not time to be like investing in real estate like you if you don't know anything about it you better spend that thousand bucks and educate yourself you can get a decent education on some real estate well four thousand bucks i have a course i mean literally everything you need to learn is in there you could do that course three times in a weekend if you wanted to and you would be a lot better off if you're going to go buy your own property how to underwrite it better how to find the deals how to make sure it is a deal right so um, you know, if you want to buy that course, uh, just DM, DM me course and I'll get that to you. I can get you 25% off. Uh, if you just say you heard it in the live or on YouTube, um, or in the podcast. So now the second part I want to talk about is being a passive LP investor. So what's a pro, you know, basically you're on, re- you're just on relax mode. Yeah. You did your due diligence already. You know your money's like with the right operator. You believe in the asset. You've done your due diligence on everything you needed to do. You're like, yes, this is the guy I want to work with or the people that I want to work with. And I like the asset class. I believe in the deal. I like the deal. And I'm willing to, you know what, invest fifty to a hundred thousand to three hundred thousand dollars into a specific deal. Um and you're able to, you know, it's not liquid. It's not like you just make the call. Hey, I don't want to invest anymore. No, it's like you're, it's a liquid now for you and you trust them that they're going to, it's a numbers game for you, basically. And you're just sitting on the sidelines. You're not getting any calls. You're just getting updates on what's happening with your money and hopefully getting distributions and, and appreciation and everything. So um, there's a lot of people now with distributions right now. So you got to make those phone calls, right? Like, but at the end of the day, you're not getting all the calls. You're not consuming your life with tenants, termites, and toilets, and you basically get to relax. So, um, you know, basically it's a number game for you. So number two, you also need to spread your bets. So some people are invested heavily in 401ks. Um, someone diversify, over diversify into everything. Well, you can do that. Um, and you know, if you're all in on your 401k and you're like, wow, I really need a way to maybe get some cash flow. Um, and maybe I would rather be an LP to learn the real estate game. And maybe I'll do this in the on my own in the future. Maybe I'll learn that I don't want to deal with any of that stuff. I would rather make my own income, invest in someone else's deal, let them run it, and hold them accountable. Um, and uh, you know what? That's what a lot of people do. They diversify. Um, you're able to actually convert your 401k. Um, if you've left a job and you have 401k sitting somewhere, you can convert it into a self-directed IRA. I always use Horizon Trust. If you haven't heard of that, just uh, just uh, Google Horizon Trust, uh, the company out of Vegas. Very good, very affordable, and very fast. And you can get your money working for you like in 10 days. 
So if you got any uh, 401ks sitting out there, self-directed IRAs, you need to get to work, um, hit Horizon Trust up, and then uh, you know they can they can help you get it converted so you can invest it somewhere else. Um, and number three, you get, you basically get an expert on your sidelines. So obviously, I have hundreds of hours in real estate. It's basically consumes my everyday. Uh, at some level, I'm talking real estate, whether it's class B and C, multifamily, class A, um, or I'm doing luxury storage. You heard me say that all the time. I do all the boring assets. Like you said, I, I love the boring stuff because I think it's, I think it makes the most money and luxury and storage is a product that I'm going to be offering, uh, you know, in the future to, to some of my investors and, um, you know, so if you're accredited or, or, you know, maybe you're not accredited, just stick around and, and. Hopefully I get a deal that comes along and uh, you guys are able to invest if you if you like that type of asset. Um, and for those of you that don't know accredited versus unaccredited, so we know here, uh, accredited basically you make two to three hundred thousand a year, um, or you have a or, and you have a million dollars of net worth. Sorry, it's not a it's not a or it's an and. And so you need to you need to hit those two criteria to be called accredited, and uh, you can invest in a 506C deal that we uh, have investors right now. Um, if you're a non-accredited, just basically means you don't make to two to three hundred thousand a year. Uh, uh, I think it's three hundred mar- filed jointly, whatever married, um, and then you uh, don't have a million dollars in net worth. Um, it doesn't include your primary residence, so most people think they hit accreditation status, but they have their house as uh you know it could be paid for but the problem is it's a liability scene and it's not an asset so um i you know those two things we use uh invest ready i believe it's a uh, platform where you can actually go and get your accreditation maybe you think you're close maybe they will use some of your house i don't really know what the, i've never i've never went through uh some of those online ones but if you ever want to see if you're accredited uh there's a couple programs online out there that can you can get your accreditation status uh, for 50 bucks. Um, and, uh, it's not a big deal. It's, it's good to have if you're going to invest passively into deals. Um, and then there's actually sophisticated. So you can turn an uncredited, unaccredited investor into a sophisticated accreditor just basically by education, right? Like they're reading my stuff. They understand real estate. They understand what GP and LP and, um, you know, IRR and and all these terms mean in real estate. There's a lot of terms. It's like the government, I swear. Everything's like abbreviated and termed. And um, there's cap rates. There's just all this lingo that you want to understand. You know, basically, you could get converted just literally by taking my course. You could go from unaccredited to at least a sophisticated investor. um, And, you know, you can get on a call with me and we can talk about it and, you know, educate yourself. So, uh, sophisticated just means you're, you're basically an educated unaccredited investor and you're hoping to get to accreditation level, um, in the future. So lots of people like that out there and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, all right, let's get back to it. Um, um, so number three was expertise on your side. Basically you're working, you're trusting in an expert. Number four, more bang for your buck. So basically, um, more money as a small, like you can buy duplexes and, and small homes and, and, uh, you know, 12 plex deals. The problem is the cash flow is very difficult in some of those assets. It can be very difficult. Um, where a larger asset, actually you can provide more cash flow and it reduce it. 
it reduces your risk as an investor because say, you know, you had a hundred unit property or even a 20 unit property. Well, if two units go vacant and, and you're not necessarily going to see anything, right? Like your plan for your plan for vacancy. The problem with a duplex is you got you living on one side and you're relying on your tenant paying the other side. And now you can't fill it for four or five months. Now you're like, wow, crap. Now I have to pay that. And I wasn't planning on it. Well, then maybe you own a fourplex and two of the units are vacant, right? Like, so it's just like, it keeps you out of trouble. It depends how good your underwriting is, but this, there's a safety net to having even storage facilities, lots of doors, you know, your occupancy and your vacancy, you, you're not going to, you're just not going to worry as much, right? And bigger deals tend to do a little better because you have a better exit strategy. You're, we're selling to another investor, another larger group that buys and sells real estate all the time. The stuff's getting traded all the time. Um, and, and, and if you can get, you know, a very good exit strategy like that, you're, you're selling to the big boys instead of, you know, trying to hope that, some newbie investor can get financing and you're going to go through the strings and whatever. So think about that. I always, you know, when you buy these smaller properties, just think about your exit strategy. You know, maybe you can group hundred units of these together, string them together in 10 years. Hey, good for you. The problem is does a big like enterprise level investor really want to deal with hundred units in 30 locations because they're all small properties. I don't know. Probably not. Um, and then, you know, you get a safety net, basically worst case scenario, you only lose the capital that you put in. So if you were to put in 50 to 100 and the deal absolutely fell apart um, and, you know, this is happening in Texas and some of the Sunbelt areas where the cap rates are rising really fast, which means basically that the property values are dropping like a rock and people can't refinance because they didn't get a fixed loan. Uh, now, up in our markets, you know, most people have fixed debt. And you don't have to worry about this, but there is a safety net. Um, you know, there's a worst case scenario that you could only lose what you put in. And um, uh, you've never seen everyone lose all their equity. But, you know, you you, you have heard of some deals uh, down south where, you know, they were underwriting these things for the moon when they were already at the moon. And then they came down and guess what happened? Um, so just... Always want to think about that. And some of the cons of investing into, you know, with a general partner or into, you know, someone else, your your backseat driver, you're not driving, right? Like this is, you're basically get, hand them the keys and they take they take it wherever it needs to go and do all the work. Um, you, you have to trust your, your GP or the main person running the property. You have to trust the asset, the team around it. Um, ask good questions. That's That always helps. Um, and number two, there can be, uh, there's management fees. Uh, obviously, someone has to manage the property. Someone has to get paid to do that. So, you know, how how Mac Capital does it is basically, you know, the investor gets an 8% on, on the deal that we have open. They get the first 8%. Whatever comes out of the property, they get the first 8 And then I'm incentivized. The higher it goes, the cash flow, the distribution, basically, I get a little cut. So after 8%, goes to 70 30 after it hits 12% it might go to 50 50 or 15% and 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 so on and so forth and so basically as the property performs better and better and better and you're getting a better return um, finally the manager gets to make some money on the deal i don't like really charging like asset management fees because 
I think it's better to have just a straight property management fee, which obviously in, in most cases is third party. Some people have internal managements. Um, and then you just have a basically a waterfall after that. After the investors are paid, then we finally get paid something, right? Because then we're all aligned in the interest. I want the property to perform at its very best because then I have a chance to make a dollar on the deal. Um, and if it doesn't, then I don't get paid and the investor gets all the capital and I ran a deal for free. And so I think when you you can incentivize anybody, um, you know, you can uh, you can get good returns with your money and everyone has to make money in order for a, you know, to invest in another deal or do more deals. So um, three, you got uh, money's tied up again. It's an illiquid investment. It's not like you invest for one year, two years in some of these deals. Uh, when you're with like a long-term investor like me, I'm five, 10 years. I'm hoping to give you your money back as an, you know, as a general partner and then keep the asset. Let's just keep it rolling, right? Like why wouldn't we? But that's the way I see it. Uh, some other guys see it where they want four or five years, they're in and they're out. Let's exit it. Let's go buy another one. Um, and most people do that, by the way, just, I mean educating for how syndicators like myself make money is that, you know, on the, they usually get initial fees, right? And that's to get the deal together, put everything together, paperwork, you name it. Um, and, uh, there's guarantees and there's some fees that, you know, to get a deal all together, that's just what it's going to take. Um, but if like the short-term guys, that's what they need. They need to live off the fees. So we got to do so many deals a year. So that's why we buy, sell, flip every three to five years, and some investors like that. They don't want to be in 10 years. They want to be in and out. Um, and uh, I tend to hold on to things. Um, and, uh, you know, my I'll, sh I'll tell you my big play here in a minute. Um, and then do you prefer buying rentals or passively investing in, L you know, as a limited partner? I think that's just a question you have to ask yourself. Do you have to do this yourself? Is it smart that you do this by yourself? Um, you know what, go, go back. You can check out this email. I basically got all the pros and cons of both ways you do it. I don't care. I just want you to invest, uh, in some kind of real estate to have the tax benefits reasons. And, you know, you can check with your CPA on that if you're, uh, you know, and then, you know, as a, as a real estate professional, I get very good tax benefits being, um, as a, as a real estate investor. So, um, you guys can also check out my course. Um, you want to be unaccredited, move into a sophisticated role, uh, investor, then yeah, take the course, pretty much everything you need to know in there. You know, you can invest me with Mac capital. You can go on the email. Um, you can, uh, check into our portal and, and say whether you're accredited or non-accredited. And, uh, you know, we can get specific deals for, um, both, both types. Um, and then also make sure that you are, if you're listening to this on the podcast channel, Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, do, you know, share it with somebody that could hear, want to, you know, want to listen to something like this um, and just understand on why I should be investing in real estate. Why should I be curious about real estate? Um, so make sure you're subscribed to the Mac podcast and or this email uh, called unfollow the herd that I put out every Saturday morning. Um, and I want to end with just like, hey, what am I doing in uh, what am I doing with storage? Because now you're starting to see a lot of storage in my in my portfolio. I've shared a lot of, even I've been on Ryan Pineda's podcast, uh, The Wealthy Way. Um, and a lot of people have been talking, you know, I've been basically doing larger storage units, calling, calling them luxury storage. 
um, where they're, you know, climate controlled outlets and, uh, and heat in them, uh, heater cooling and, um, couple lights and, um, big overhead doors. So they're just bigger storage units. They're just, you know, 750 to, um, about a thousand square feet, in some cases 1200, but we usually average right around 900 to a thousand square feet. Um, and it's just one product. We're putting that on the entire property. Now I've gotten, I've gotten knocked a little bit from it. Um, just from other people, um, saying that, Hey, you know, you need to mix in small units and you can't just have all big units because it's not as diversified. It's like, yeah, well I can, if I'm filling them and, and I am diversified, there is some different sized units. Um, I'm going for a different style customer, you know, a tenant that can afford rent like this. He, you know, and, and, you know, these units are anywhere from 500 to a thousand dollars, depending upon the market you're in. And, uh, you know, it's just an extra garage stall. People use their garages differently. Now they, you know, they epoxy the floors. It's finished. It's all cabinets, it's TVs. Um, and, you know, people use their garages as living spaces now and they hardly, you know, they want to park their car in there and then they want everything else on the wall. So when they need to store stuff and not only that, like then you got these HOAs, like you can't park in the driveway in some of these, which I think is bizarre, but, um, you can't park your boat, can't park your camper. You can't park anything. You can't store your lawnmower in the driveway. They will come knocking in the HOAs and that's just how they want it. They want them clean. They want them tight. And, and, what also is happening is that the density is increasing. So, you know, to find affordability, everything just keeps getting smaller. I mean, I think I was eating a fun-sized Kit Kat and, uh, and a Reese's and like, just like candy bars, everything keeps getting smaller to keep thinking you're getting the value that it is. And uh, it's not true. You're talking million-dollar homes and you can touch them with your two hands and you can uh, just very... Everything's going to have to get smaller to keep affordability a true thing. I mean, look at these tiny homes now and, you know, it's almost comical when you lo- go through some housing developments. It's like you can hardly get a fence between them and people will put a fence. It's like how, you got two and a half feet to each house and <laughs> you, you can hardly get to it. So you, you, got, you got housing getting more dense, you know, lots of multifamily. So, you know, you're not getting any parking there hardly for your car. Um and, you know, HOAs are getting more strict. You're seeing a lot of private communities. You're seeing people, you're seeing people that don't even own lawnmowers or snowblowers. They don't want to. Um, and you're just seeing the way of life that, you know, they want a storage, they want an extra garage stall. And that's kind of what our product suits. Um, we're not necessarily self-storage because that's not who we're providing, you know, our services to. And, and we think there's a big demographic for this and it's getting bigger. Um, and just as housing, even expensive housing gets more dense. So, uh, that's really the product we're making this for. Uh, we have a big long criteria list for property. If you have a property that's three to six acres, um, you know, it's sitting on a decent highway, good exposure. And, you know, you think your market has good demographics to it. You know, we check median household incomes within three to five miles. We're checking uh, density of population in the three to five miles. We are, um, you know, we we vet these lots pretty in depth before we ever pull the trigger on a lot. We want to make sure this product is very good uh, and that it has the right demographics for a growing market. So we'll be putting these in Arizona. Uh, I've been talking to some gentlemen in Florida 
And, you know, we're going to be spreading them out. Right now I'm in the Midwest, in North Dakota, South Dakota. Uh, I've looked at even Minnesota and Montana. Uh, there, we like Iowa. There's a few markets in the Midwest we still like. We're, we're looking to get five sites built next year. And, and these are anywhere from three to six acre sites. They might be one phase of storage or maybe have two phases because we can, you know, to mitigate risk as an investor, you can just phase the project. And yeah, if you're interested in storage, you should be, um, make sure to reach out to me, DM me the word storage, and I can, uh, I can update you just what we're doing and how we're doing it. Um, and we might have a, uh, you know, a fund coming out at some point. Uh, to raise some money for investors in in this type of project, if you're interested in storage, so that's kind of what we're doing. Um, you know, it's uh, I want my whole goal is here is to get basically a diversification tool for other investors. I want them with the ability to invest in something else other than just a 401k. Um, obviously, it's called and follow the herd. Um, and I think people should take notice on why so many people are interested in storage and multifamily and that thing. And I've had a lot of interest in storage and I've had a lot of luck with um, understanding how to build it, uh, how to produce it. And now I've been just refining on how we're doing it and potentially let other investors invest beside us in this type of project. So make sure you're subscribed, Mac Podcast. Also, make sure you're on Unfollow the Herd. Uh, email. I have all the updates that come out on there and uh, I appreciate you all. Um, you guys stay, uh, well, we're, we're renting up storage right now because we're climate controlled. So we're excited. Thank you all. See you.